Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of What Most People Think. How are you? You alright? Yeah? It's just going to be me. It's just going to be me this week. I know we've had a few guest spots recently, but um, but you know, when, do, when do we get time to talk these days? Eh? We've always got sharing our time. It's, it's, it's time for us to catch up. This, this is a special. I'm calling this podcast... Uh, how the Middle Class is Ruined Britain special. Because obviously the documentary went out this week. And thank you so much to everybody that watched. It did it did well, man. It did. It got over a million viewers. Uh, like the vast majority of people, overwhelmingly, that started watching it, kept watching it. Because that's what I kind of worried, was that people would go, fuck this guy. And everyone would turn over and watch kind of police camera action or something. But it it, it did well. It did well. And I, I'm, a fuck, I'm fucking relieved, man. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we'll talk about that. That'll be part of the show is just responding to some of the most common sort of questions. Because a lot of people asked, you know, said fair things about the uh, the documentary. And I'd like to respond to those. Um, but first up, the heat. How, how are you dealing with the heat? It's um, you, there's always a thing in Britain when it gets really hot, right? Is that we go through stages of reaction to the heat. First up, we're like, "Oh, isn't this nice?" Then we're like, "This is too hot." And then you get a reaction to people saying, "Well, oh, we always moan that it's not warm enough, and now we've got heat. Look at all these whingers." I'm sorry. Once it gets into the thirties, is we are not equipped to deal with it. It's completely, it's completely legitimate to moan about it. And and let's call it what it is. There are, there are, there's an optimum temperature in this country we all know what it is right it's 20 23 degrees with a light breeze so anything that goes more than two degrees either side of that it, i think it's legitimate to moan about it and i do wonder one thing i'm wondering about how how many uh, extinction rebellion um protesters have been following their own advice in this heat <laughs> can you imagine them sitting there Fucking cranking up the AC, just hoping none of their mates come round with like a homemade fucking goulash. Um, I don't care if Extinction Rebellion. If you're listening to me, I I am standing. I'm standing by my fridge freezer door open regularly. I don't, I don't give a shit. Okay, you talk about future generations being around. I I won't be around. You know, and I'm not. I'm not doing this for the planet as such. I'm more doing it for anybody that has to stand next to me in a public place. I'm showering three times a day because I fucking stink. Okay, Extinction Rebellion. That's a good, great joke, Jeff. Well done. That's uh, if anyone's new to the podcast, I'm sure that wicked, wicked gag will definitely hook them uh, to listen more. Um, so the subjects are going to be yeah, we're going to be mainly responding to the documentary. Then we'll be looking at uh, this idea of uh, like a female James Bond or the fact that you can't say Bond girls anymore. It's been banned on set. Uh, and then we will we'll, we'll talk about Boris, but we'll do that through the letters page. But first up, before we uh, get into that, a quick thank you and a fuck you, which is something I like to do at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you to uh, Dino Parks. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has got young kids. I mean, kids just get into to dinosaurs. That's the thing, though. They just love them. I don't know if this is a weird thing that, like, before the dinosaurs went extinct, they put this little recessive gene that meant that they would always get, like, image rights or something, <laughs> like, wherever they are now. Of But kids, kids love them. And it's really sad because you sort of have to explain to them that, that they're dead 
You know, like it's a really early thing where you go, oh, can, can we go and see them? So instead of explaining that they're dead, what a lot of uh, clever business people have done. See, I didn't say businessmen then, but in my mind I was thinking of a bloke. I'm just being honest. Um, is that they've, they've come up with these animatronic parks, right? They've come up with these animatronic parks where you can go and they've got these, well, they're fairly shitty dinosaurs, really. They're, they're motorised dinosaurs. And, and they sort of sell it like it's Jurassic Park. But what it really is... Is, I reckon it's walking around a bit of the zoo where they used to have an animal that's no longer fashionable, you know, like like a fox or something, just something shitty. And they've gone, we just bung some fucking like motorised dinosaurs in there. And, 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 and people are lapping it up. People are absolutely lapping it up. And, um, you know, it's exciting for my son. He thinks he can go and see dinosaurs. It means that I, uh, I don't have to explain to him the existential risk of meteors just yet. Um... But it was weird. It was weird because then we went around and looked around the actual animals. He didn't give a shit. And I suppose, why would you give a shit about otters after you've seen an Ankylosaurus, right? I mean, these otters, right? We had, we had some peak zoo experience. There was, a, there was a little looking bit. There was an observation bit on the otter's cage. And the otters came out and they started fighting. And then they started banging. And I was like, that is peak zoo, son. It, does, it doesn't really get much better than this. If you're not excited about this... And we also, we, we went, in, went to a lion enclosure and like there's a lion walk straight past and he was like, I want to see, I want to see the fucking mechanical stegosaurus again. So, so the fuck you is not, not to my son. The fuck you is to, um, to the dino parks who charge 20 quid for the privilege of walking around looking at their shitty motorised 20 quid. You're, you're not even feeding them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're, well, I suppose electricity, you are feeding them. I think Extinction Rebellion, right? They should they should go and protest dino parks. <laughs> they should just go and just just all grab onto the neck of the moving Diplodocus and try and break it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, look, uh, let's get into it this week. As I say, the first subject we're going to be looking at is just responding to some questions about my documentary, How the Middle Classes Ruin Britain, which is on iPlayer, which you could watch, which you should have watched. Why don't you fucking watch it? Anyway, let's crack on. Okay, so there were a number. I mean, like, let's leave out the, the, the bare-faced insults that I got. One of them, I've got to admit, like, I, I always, for some reason, I always, the insults that make me laugh the most are just the harshest ones where they don't sort of try and dress it up at all. There was one guy that just called me an insufferable prick. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see from a certain point of view, I am an insufferable prick. And he fucking followed me as well. Like, he actually wanted to see the doc. He was, like, excited about it. So he, that was almost, like, the most hurtful comment. Because he was not like prejudiced against me from the start, uh, but I got a few pelters. But but what what I wanted to pick up on is more the uh, questions that people ask, and and people um, spoke about the class traitor elements. They said, "Hang on, you know, you're this you're this working class bloke. You're a Tory, but a lot of things you're shining a light on are because of the Tories." Now I don't accept you know because of the Tories as a blanket thing for a lot of the things that they were saying. The first thing is the class traitor accusation. I think it's such a dangerous thing for the left to throw around, isn't it? Because it means it means you don't really deal with the overall the overall picture of why people, uh, why working class people are deserting the Labour Party. Because the first thing that you've done is um, is you, you've levelled an insult, haven't you? You class traitor. Because, yeah, that was... Yeah, I remember when I was born and they stamped my class on my, my birth certificate and that was it. I was just going to vote Labour for the rest of my life. At least under Blair, like working class people had a sense that, you know, you could get on, you could do all right, you could improve your own situation. But, you know, things can only get better. It was a bit of a cliched hook, but what what would the hook be under Corbyn? It wouldn't be things can only get better, but you like things, things can, 
probably stay as they are for a bit before deteriorating rapidly and, uh, you know, people heading for the ports. <laughs> That'd be, like, things could... It would probably be like a like a year and a half where people go, oh, that's all right, I'm doing okay. And then they'd be like, just, just years ago, oh, right, all the people that create jobs have fucked off. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I'm not saying, you know, I think that the Labour Party's pitch to working... It's, it's obviously wrong, isn't it? The evidence is, is there. You've got, you got a Conservative MP in an old mining town. They're getting something wrong. So don't point a finger at me when I'm just a symptom of your stupid party... You know, your obsession with fucking Jeremy. You know what I mean? Like, how... I mean, he's done... Apart from this weird period, you know, just before the election when Theresa May was literally shitting herself in public on a daily basis. He's, you know, he hasn't consistently been ahead in the polls against what a lot of people think is the most catastrophic Conservative government in history, right? So I think I think you're victim-blaming, right? <laughs> I think if you, if you, if you give me shit... For voting Tory at this time, I think that you are victim blaming, and that is that's a microaggression. A few people accuse me of being just a character. I've I've had this, of course, before. I'm just a character. I'm making it all up. It's you know somebody said I was a Ricky Gervais character. Um, I wouldn't mind being a Ricky Gervais character. That would still be comedically a good place to be. I think I'd be quite happy to be some prick that he'd written with Stephen Merchant. Maybe I am. Hey, maybe it's all got a bit postmodern. Maybe that's what I am. But I, uh, yeah, I, I am a character, definitely. I am, uh, except uh, you know, I kept I kept all the details of my life the same and same voice, same viewpoints. It just makes it easier to not forget stuff. Fucking idiots. Character. Like, right. The thing is, yeah, of course you crank it up a little bit for the car- the cameras, a little bit. Every stand-up comedian ever. Do you think that you know, like when you have like a deadpan guy? Do you think that they're always that fucking deadpan? You know what I mean? When they go out for dinner with their wife, just sitting there with a glum face. Do you think, like, do you know what I mean? When you have the chirpy fucking cheeky chappies on, that they, that they don't wake up some mornings and thinking only of dead things. <laughs> we're all, we're all front, we're all turning it up a notch on the dial, aren't we? Don't claim you're not. So are you as well, members of the public. You know what I mean? The person you are when you go to parties. Is that the real you? No, okay? But stand up comedy is a party where you've invited people. So, anyway, I've sort of made the point here. Um,. There was people that, that seemed to be triggered by the bit about middle-class people gaining the, the comprehensive school entry system. And I think that by people who are triggered, I mean people that are probably currently engaging in some fucking chicanery themselves. Uh, they said that I had no evidence that it was middle-class people that were that were most to blame for this. Well, I had on camera um, a vicar that attested to that. And also, it just makes sense that working-class people are less likely to do this, is that... You know, right, really rich people are going to send their kids to private school, yeah? Working class people tend not to play this game for a simple reason. is that you need to have multiple properties to do it. One of the key ways that people are able to do it is by renting flats near a school for the, for the year before they go there, you know, and, and going to church. I mean, obviously, yeah, working class people could go to church, but the statistics and the research that we showed on screen suggested that it was more common upon people of a higher socio-economic background. Now, that might include properly rich people, but do you think properly rich people are dicking around going to church if they don't believe? They tend to fucking look alike. Do you know what I mean? The thing with the middle class is, you know, they're up there, but they, they, they can see the bottom rung of that ladder, so they put in a shift. Don't get me wrong, you know? A part of me admires the work ethic, you know, trundling up every Sunday, sitting in church, singing fucking kumbaya, pretending to believe in God... <laughs> for their kid and you know the worst thing is that kid probably won't even appreciate that effort 
You know, it, it just won't ever know. And then one day, one day when the kid's a teenager, the parent will say, I, I, I pretended to be a Christian for two years for you. And they'll go, and the kid, because he's a teenager now, will go, oh my God, so you're like an actual liar? You lied to God? That's even worse. I hate you more now. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that, um, and it was interesting, the, 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 the sort of reviews that came out before it went out were really good. Like it got a five star in the FT, it got a good uh, write-up in the Sunday Times, it got pick of the day in the Guardian. I think the Guardian only did that to try and discredit me, by the way. They knew that that would look bad for me, so fuck you, Guardian, cheeky bastards. I know what you're doing. But then the ones that come out the day after, weren't. there was like one that was a bad review, and then there's a couple that were so-so, but I just, I don't know, I got a sense that I triggered them a little bit. And they were... They were going, they were going, oh, the thesis didn't hang together. Come on, man. Look, you can tell what I was playing out there. I The main thing was, was yes, there was, to start discussion, right? To take some key areas, to be a bit light-hearted about it, but to shine a light on some hypocrisies. Like I said, I'm not Andrew fucking Marr, do you know what I mean? I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, but anyway, overall, the coverage was good, so I can't complain. And then, and then the final thing in the documentary was that a lot of people sort of said, ha-ha, you looked stupid in front of those free NUS officers because you weren't funny and they didn't laugh and again like do they not think this is the thing I must come across I must come across as thick because they wouldn't credit for one second that I would factor that risk in <laughs> when doing it do you know what I mean like doing a gig to three people that they, there wasn't any thought in my mind that this would this might go badly what it was is to create a debate around what they saw as acceptable subjects for humour, or what they saw as funny. And truthfully, I think they were all right, those kids, but they did sort of come conscious of the idea of seeming humourless. So they tried to say, oh, it's not that we're offended, it's just that it's not funny. And uh, and then, of course, online I got accused of, <clears throat> you know, doing humour about the disabled, even though it was a joke about my dad. This is, this is one thing that happens with uh, liberals and the left, is that you do a joke about something in your life, right? So you do a joke about your wife, and they say, well, he's joking about women you go no I'm not joking about women I don't know all women I try and keep it localized and yeah my dad was disabled he had one arm so I'm gonna do jokes about it I am gonna do jokes about my old man the one-armed bandit and my mum was in a wheelchair and her name was Jan and we called her Jan the Pram all right sorry is this, this too cliched for you because then maybe my life is cliched okay maybe it's accidental cliche by virtue of life experience uh, but yeah obviously I didn't get that didn't, they didn't get to me at all. So, um, yeah, but and also I let, I, there was a conscious decision. Obviously I was aware that I look, it, it was cringeworthy and excruciating, but the reason I left it in, I left it in for you, trolls. Yeah, if you hate me, that was one for you. You go, hey, look at him squirming up on stage. They don't, they don't get my genius, man. I don't know. It's the way I communicate. I, no one seems to understand just how fucking intellectualised my views are. It was a shame that that sentence fell away, really, wasn't it? It sort of seemed to prove their point. But anyway, hopefully that responds to some of the questions that people had on the, about the documentary. Um, yeah, instead instead of doing a hype bit, let's just say that documentary, if you haven't watched it, please do say nice things uh, online. And also my show, Jeff Norcott's Withdrawal Agreement, on Radio 4 is still available uh, as well. All right, let's talk about this Bond Girl thing. So... Yeah, there was an article um, saying that on the set of the new Bond film that the phrase Bond girl has been banned. Banned on set. And you know what this was, right? I bet you any money it wasn't even a woman that did it. I, re I reckon that there's like loads of producers 
loads of TV execs, sorry, film execs and stuff that are just shitting themselves because they can see the that <laughs> the, the the old white guys are. Uh, a situation is under review, right? So they're all going over the top to kind of like to to, to try and sound woke, basically because they want to keep their job. So I bet some guys going like, I just, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's wrong calling women Bond girls. It's just patronizing. And uh, I think Bond women. Let's call them Bond women. I, I think you know they're women. Let's call them women. I don't understand. So then that has become the phrase. Now one one of the issues with this is first up no one really thought that they were girls in the truest sense of the word right that's not no one thought that bond was like fucking sidling up to some year three with pigtails <laughs> you know some of the stuff that's made in the 60s maybe you know he might have gone as young as 14 Woo! but you know, we kind of understood it, that the problem is it just scans doesn't it as a phrase bond girl it just for whatever reason those two words sound good together okay Bond woman, it just doesn't sound right, does it? I mean, woman, problem is, is it sound, she sounds too practical. That's the point. I'm not saying, like, she wouldn't be, like, a, a great secret agent. But I think she'd also, like, be really, like, running other stuff in her life as well, running her family really well. I'm sorry, look, this is old-fashioned, but she just sounds really practical and organised. Like, I'm not saying she wouldn't do her job to, the, like, absolutely the same level as Bond, but... You know, she might have find it tougher lifting girders off her that collapse, but that's just a biological thing, ladies. I'm sorry, we're just a bit stronger. Well, I say that at the moment. I've uh, got carpal tunnel in both my wrists. It's fucking humiliating, man. I, I frequently can't open bottles. I have to give them to my wife to do. I think she's gonna leave in the end. She just and it, I always thought it'd be like for a guy that was taller or richer, but it would just be a guy that has grip strength. Um, so. But yeah, but she'll also be doing other things because this is the thing, isn't it? We're always told, women tell us as well, we can multitask. I, the thing about Bond that is sexy is that he doesn't multitask at all. He fucking single tasks, doesn't he? Just killing and fucking. <laughs> That's all he wants to do, his to-do list. If you look on like your little to-do list on your iPhone, that's both, both of his notes every day, kill and fuck. Um, and he, but they're going to they're gonna emasculate him, aren't they? They're going to, they can't... It's too tempting, isn't it? This totemic figure of masculinity, they're going to castrate the fuck out of him, aren't they? He's going to hes gonna start saying namaste before he shoots people in the face, isn't he? Um, he's going to hes gonna cry during sex, isn't he? Just be having the, oh, I've just realised what they're going to do. They're going to make it, he can't get it up. That's what they're going to do to Bond. He'll just be, and then they'll go, what is it? And he'll just start crying. And... They'll just mock him with the music. They'll mock him with the music. Oh, they're going to ruin it, aren't they? And then, of course, we've got a female Thor. Um, Thora, anybody? That's joke number two of the podcast. I think I'm uh, my strike rate is pretty high. I just I, all this thing about we've got to have our own female version of. It reminds, do you know what it reminds me of? You know, when he was at uh, a school, like, and you'd be like playing army or something, like with the boys, and you'd be doing something. And, like, the girls would be sitting around talking. They'd be having a nice time, but maybe they'd hit a point where they were starting to annoy each other or something. And and then they kind of side low, like, what you doing? And you'd be like, oh, playing fucking army. Um, well, can we play? Oh, can we? And you just think, oh, just fucking have your own pretend war, all right? I'm sorry that the conversation fucking dried up over there. Sorry there's tension brimming beneath the surface every time you girls meet up. But we're in the middle of a fucking war here. This is our war. I mean, the thing about, like, 
Like, see, something like Wonder Woman, yeah? It did well because... Like, like think about something like Black Panther. Black Panther is one of the top grossing films of all time because it was a, a bespoke format, okay? It wasn't like they just suddenly went, oh, can we make Spider-Man black? You know, they know Spider-Man. The thing about Spider-Man, right, is I know that they're in, in the most recent one, there was a young lad who was, who was, who was black. But the, the name is... Got, Peter Parker's got to be the whitest name ever, so, it, I mean, it's kind of hum, hamstrung by just sounding the most milky Caucasian motherfucker since the beginning of time, Peter Parker. But, yeah, I just think these things tend to work better when they're bespoke, right? Well, Wonder Woman. It was, I really enjoyed the Wonder Woman films. Captain Marvel did well, but I thought it was shit. I did think Captain Marvel was shit. And and not because she, it was a female superhero, but I just thought Brie Larson was uh, was so bad in it. She was so fucking uncharismatic, like... Like they said she had every power. One of the criticisms of Captain Marvel is that she had too much power. And I was like, but we, why don't you just throw in the power to, to be intriguing or have charisma? It's just like Brie Larson. I've never seen someone phone in a performance as much as that. She just It looked like she kind of thought, well, people are going to fucking love this. I'll just turn up. You know what I mean? She looked fucking heavily medicated throughout that. You know? <laughs> Nothing wrong with medication. I'm just saying. She looked like she'd overdone it a little bit. She had a bit... She looked like she was on Valium. It's fucking weird. So, yeah, I think it comes back to this. Romish, uh, Ranganathan, he wrote an article about this. It's not about... It's about creating new heroes and new stories. It's not... Not with saying you can't have this because it's ours. It's just... It works a hell of a lot better, films and characters, when people actually work a new character up from scratch. So, just a quick one on this uh, trans woman... In Canada thing. So I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, this was a, a woman, a trans woman, formerly a bloke, who now identifies as female, but still got the still got the junk, still got the the cock and balls, and um, and she has has sued um, uh, beauticians in Canada for for refusing to to wax her balls, um, and it does sound like the epitome of 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 where the more nutty headlines have been going. Trans woman. Sue's beauticians for refusing to wax balls. It it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I think that I think that like almost all trans people are, are not gonna do this, right? They're not. This is not what they're interested in. I'm sure that changing your gender and your sex is a much bigger issue than who fucking tends to your tends to your crevice, right? But I. I think it's a real problem because these these stories obviously go wild and stuff. And it, but it is a symptom, right? It is a symptom that we're living in a culture where somebody could be, feel so entitled at this point that they could even have that they could even have that idea to sue somebody. Like like young women, like it's not more important to protect young women that don't want to handle a pair of balls. I mean, balls are so disgusting as well. You know what I mean? Like it almost would be better if you just said kind of like I don't moisturize the shaft. I mean that. That's just a hand job, isn't it? That's not a great example, okay? But just the balls. <laughs> no one got into being a beautician. You know, when you go to your fucking local spa day, there's girls walking around with those outfits. None of them got into it to, to wax balls. I'm going to be honest. They got into it to give women treatments, make them go out feeling fantastic, looking great, right? None of them wanted to handle balls. None of Maybe some of them. Some women have a ball thing. But look, that's besides the point. So this person is, is now... And the worst thing is, right, is, is I think that this is harmful to the trans community because 
it just creates that sense that you know I think I think statistically it's only one in two hundred people that are some form of um, trans, and and it's it is weird like how much coverage it gets. I know I've said it before, but it is it's wildly disproportionate. It's a bit it's a bit like terrorism, isn't it? <laughs> you know, how terrorism just isn't that common, and yet like in the papers we 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 worry about it all the time. I think that that is that is where trans has got certainly a lot of people that are particularly um, obsessed about it. I just think that this person, like, if you're representing your community, you just don't go around making fucking unreasonable requests on you and then threatening to sue them. I mean, if this goes to court, I mean, it's going to be funny. It's one thing. It's good. <laughs> I mean, the kind of language that's going to have to be used, especially if it's like some really old judge as well that really isn't up on the whole trans thing. And he's like, sorry, she, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Am I going to get complaints after this? As I've said before, I am, I'm sort of pro-trans. I'm like, you know, just, I don't agree with the whole overnight identification thing. I think two years might be a bit too long. Maybe split the difference, perhaps. Perhaps, but no, everybody's got to be extreme. You've got to be able to just either identify overnight or you can never be, <laughs> everything's so fucking binary at the moment. But look, I'll just bring it back down to the original point is that a young woman working as a beautician should have the right to say, I do not wish to wax that woman's balls. Okay, uh, so we're going into letters now, and the first one is titled Boris uh, Boris Oblivion. Uh, is Boris sending us all into oblivion? A worried liberal. Is there any other kind of liberal at the moment? A worried liberal. They're, always, they're fucking obsessed, aren't they, with oblivion? I don't, I don't know what it is. They just think everything is, everything is sort of coming to an end, you know, like, we're going to hell in a handbasket. The world is a dark, dark place today. Um, yeah, there are there are issues. I'm not sure that they seem to think that, that, that in a way global instability sort of leapt into life the day of the referendum. Like that, it, some it'd been like, and then the moment that referendum, moment Dimbleby said Britain has voted Leave, it was like crowd clouds came in, the horsemen of the apocalypse galloped. I actually remember things being shit before. I really do. I really do remember that. Um, but then they're like people after 9 11. Do you remember after 9 11? And people who hadn't, like, had, they, they were just like, what are we going to do? This new reality of terrorism that we don't know anything about. They go, well, it's 2001 now, but the IRA is still bombing the shit out of us well into the 90s. Don't act like this is a fucking new thing, man. Like, but, but almost, I don't know, there's certain kind of people that want to hold on to the idea of an apocalypse. But this is the thing about Boris, right? I, I was surprised actually by how Brexit y. Uh, even for me, like his cabinet was. I mean, he's gone full Brexit. I do, I do think he's made a couple of mistakes in terms of the people he's let go. Uh, Penny Morden, I think by everyone's sort of reckoning, she's been a pretty impressive performer. Um, you know, she's done a great job in the women's and def she just comes across well. Do you know what I mean? She's liked across the chamber. Maybe that's it. He sees a bit of, uh, maybe he's jealous of her hair. She's got a bit more volume than him. I don't know. Also, Penny Morden. Does sound like um, sounds like a kind of bicycle, doesn't it? I'm not saying it like that. Although she's a glamorous lady, but that doesn't mean that she puts it about. Okay, this is a rabbit hole. One 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 bit of advice I would give to the left is is don't be too apocalyptic, right? If you want to eventually take this guy down, I don't think you will. But is don't in the early days of Trump, right? So people are saying that he's quite Trump-esque in his own way, 
And one of the things that the, the Democrats did with Trump and was like, I remember that thing was, there was a hashtag saying 100 days max. That was it. They thought that was as long as he'd be president. They were trying to convince themselves that there was this temporary reality. And they were, you know, they, they made these predictions of, of total incompetence. Like he wouldn't get anything right. And of course, a, a president or a prime minister is only a, it's only a figurehead for an economy and a diplomatic and political machine that's already well in motion, right? So the idea that, that they could fuck up everything or make everything better in a heartbeat is is, is specious, right? So so the pro- if you make out that within 100 days of Boris, we'll all be living in some sort of Mad Max dystopia, what's going to happen is is he can easily come in above that, right? He can easily come in above that. It's the same with the Brexit apocalypse predictions. Every time you go too far, you lose credibility and you can make what seems to be a failure look like a success, all right? So just my advice on Boris is if you really want to get rid of him, then just chill the fuck out. Just see how it goes. Wait for him to fucking... Wait for him to do something wrong would be the first bit of advice. And of course, you know, people are... People are screwing because he's got he's got uh, two British Asians in in prime positions of state because it it does piss the left off that kind of thing you know first have two female leaders and prime ministers now look British Asian Chancellor and a Home Secretary deal with that left eh deal with that old white guys Corbyn and McDonnell you're the fusty fuckers um, so yeah the main advice is just 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 let him do his thing because you know it what he has set himself out as a stall to do is pretty difficult right is even if you are so you have total 100% faith in Brexit it's not going to be a walk in the park is it to go back to the EU and renegotiate so just see how that goes maybe okay this is a letter from Ryan in the Midlands uh he says I was going to read this in a Brummie accent, but it's quite a serious one, so should I still read it in a... I don't know. I'm having issues at home. See, that's bad. Even the first sentence, I can't carry on like that. I'm having issues at home. I've been with my wife seven years. She has a 15-year-old stepdaughter who has become an absolute nightmare. Become? By f- if, that had, if that waited till she was 15, mate, you've done all right. Uh, they fight all the time. It's usually started by the stepdaughter. Problem is, I'm a big guy, but a gentle giant. Whenever I step in, she says I'm scaring her, but I can't stand there and watch my wife be insulted. It's a tricky one. Any advice? Um, yeah, that is that is tough, man. That is tough. You know, you're coming, you've been with her seven years, so what was she, like, eight when you came in? That's dead. All the big tragedies in life seem to happen when you're fucking eight or nine. For some reason, your parents splitting up, people fucking dying. I don't know why. It just seems to be a real hot spot for that first moment that you know what's happening in the world the world goes hey hey here's here's something to reflect on or maybe it's just a way of waking you up from being a, a kid I don't know but so she I mean what I don't have here is detail about how she feels about the old man you know if like whether he's still on the scene because that can go either way either he's the hero dad and stuff and he's a great guy and she thinks she should be with him uh, or he's a piece of shit but she still wants to make out like he's great um yeah it's tricky you've got a you got to you got to stick up for your woman, right? It's gonna be very difficult to just sit there and someone like because teenage girls, my god, man! I remember how my mother and my sister used to clash. They used to uh, just blood curdling noises coming out. I remember they uh, they actually had a had a rumble once. They <coughs> they had a, a fight. I had to I had to split them up, and then I think I was maybe like uh, twelve or something, maybe eleven or twelve, and I had to put them in separate rooms, like I give them a standing eight count, you know, like just send them back to their corners. 
And I was like telling them off. I was going, right, this is disgraceful. And my mate Mick was there. And um, I said to Mick, I said, sorry, Mick, I'm going to have to deal with this. I felt like a proper, fully grown man then. Um, is yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a clashing point, you know, like there's the hormonal thing as well. I, I'll be honest, having been a teacher, I would rather, I would rather get waterboarded than teach a class full of 15-year-old girls. I'm not going to lie. They were terrifying to me. Not all of them, but like when... The problem is they seem to work out very quickly how to work as a team to get round you. And I never knew what was going on. There's that weird moment where they sort of click and move their heads where you think, hang on, what happened there? There's like, it's almost like they clicked into the manipulation mode. So it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I mean, like, I mean, the thing is these days, it's so different, isn't it? Like back in the day, people just sling kids out at 16. <laughs> they used to fucking do that. Just go, right, when you're 16, you're out. Um, yeah, 15's tricky. I mean, maybe it's exam pressure. I'm just trying to read between the lines here. If she's 15, she'd have just been maybe doing her GCSEs. Um, I don't know. Do you do you do anything, like, with the... That sounds bad. Do you, do, you, do you have, a like, a friendship with the girl? Have you ever taken her out or get her nails done? I don't fucking know. I don't know. This is, this is really tricky. The one thing I'll say is, like, is, like, this too shall pass. This is, like, a... This is, like, a stage... You know, maybe you've got to be the the peacemaker because, like, the thing about, like, the ladies, right, is they don't really like the conflict. They don't know. They, they sort of hate, even more than men, I think, hate thinking that there's somebody that, that hates them, right? So sometimes maybe you just kind of go, look, you love her to bits, right? And you, you worship the ground she walks on. So what's going on here, eh? That is... <laughs> That is weak advice. I'm not going to lie, but it's something. And, and, and the main thing you've got is my sympathy. Most people Dear Jeff, loved the documentary. He didn't write that. I just put that in. Um, this one doesn't have a name. Could you ever vote Labour again? It's an interesting question. Well, one, one of the barriers to that is obviously how much shit I've got for being a Tory. Is, is it sort of radicalised me in a way? It's my... <laughs> It's maybe more Tory. Like, you know, it is if you call someone a liar or a cheat, eventually they'll probably lie or cheat. So I have become more of a Tory bastard. I, I, I've sort of grown into the role. Um, it, was, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw in the documentary that uh, Gloria De Piero was on. And uh, she she asked me a question, right? So when, when we were off camera, she said, um, she said what, what, what could we do to win you back, Jeff? I thought, what an amazing question. Like, there's such an obvious thing to say to former Labour voters. But that's not what happens, is it, currently? The first thing, if you spent a while voting Tory, is an accusation, isn't it? It's an accusation. You brought the country to its knees. You approve of all the things the Tories have done. That's one thing that always bugs me. When you think, oh, what, when you voted Labour in 2005, was that an endorsement of the Iraq war? Probably not, right? So they, you know, you hate disabled. You hate the gay. They just start throwing all this stuff. So I think that if Labour, I mean, we mentioned earlier in the show about what the Labour song would be if they got in power. I think that the question or the slogan should be what Gloria Di Piero has said. What can we do to win you back? That's a great question, isn't it? Win you back. It's such a... Everything about it. It's such a shame that she's stepping down from politics, man. She's a really fucking great MP. So I, 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 think it's, I think it's unlikely. The problem, in a weird way, the problem is, is I, 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 it's probably more likely that I could vote Labour again one day than the Lib Dems. Just because, 
just because of their attitude to Brexit. You know, they didn't even give it like there's none of their MPs are even I think it's like one that are even willing to countenance a deal, you know, and all this fucking immature bollocks to Brexit stuff. So, yeah, in a weird way, if I was ever to switch parties, <clears throat> if the Labour Party ever... Yeah, I suppose there's a chance. I didn't really think I'd end up saying that. But, um, but psh, not for now. OK, as you know, I uh, at the end of the show, I read out a couple of ratings from the iTunes reviews. I only read out the fives. Well, unless, unless it's like a one-star that's funny. Um, this guy is called Otto's Breakfast. Now, I don't know where he comes from. I always try and do the accent. I'm going to go Otto is a German. That sounds like a German name, right? So here we go. Uh, gives this couple of episodes, folks. This is a comedian who knows how to poke fun at this incredible social climate and also himself. Gives us a bit of a reality check at times. I'm just... This is going to end up being an impression of Hen in Vain. Uh, I don't always agree, but it's often a good counterpoint to the more prevalent comedic view we tend to get. This now went posh. Really enjoying every episode is Richard from... Oh, fucking Richard from Barnsley. <laughs> Sorry, Richard from Barnsley. I was one of the sixiest people here that voted Remain as well. Uh, okay, cheers, Richard. Sorry for the accent confusion. Um... Right, one more review. Got Ian from Croydon. Yes, bruv, South London. Jeff, love the pod, but you def... Jeff, hey. Jeff, love the pod, but you left me disappointed that I'd never used the term soy boy. Can you suggest any context for me to slip it into my daily conversation? Many thanks and see you in Didcot. Ian. <laughs> the, the words Didcot and Ian didn't really match the sort of cool fucking urban accent I was doing there. Um, can I suggest a context for him to use the word soy boy? I would just go to any meeting of momentum. I, would, I think then you're, the, the, the phrase soy boy will become incredibly clear to you. Listen, uh, with that needless insult, that's it uh, for this week. I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you so much for everything you're doing to support what I do. If you haven't bought tickets for the tour, uh, which is uh, September, October, November, Taking Liberties, all my work in progress run in August uh, in Edinburgh, which is before that, please do so now. They're ticking over nicely, but it'll be nice to see as many of you out on the road as possible, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm.